read to you 12 verses of scripture out of the book of Mark, chapter 2, out of the New Living Translation. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men carrying, arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. What did Darla talk to you about? So they dug a hole in the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law, you got to love those folks. You know, the holiness police. Some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? That's blasphemy. Only God forgives sins. And Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. Can I tell you this morning? I may not know, but Jesus knows what you're thinking. He knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and he said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and he walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all, all amazed, and they all praised God. I'd like to have been there. I wish we could get everybody to praise God exclaiming watch this we've never seen anything like this before I'm gonna conclude this series today that I've been preaching on we need to move and today we're gonna talk about moving out move out if you will pray with me and for me father thank you again for your presence we thank you now for your word that's been read here. I pray for the next few moments you would remove every hindrance and distraction that would prohibit us from hearing and receiving your word today. I pray you'd anoint these lips of clay that I won't speak my words, God, but I'll deliver your word and the power and the demonstration of your spirit. And I pray, Lord, you'd anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive what you're speaking to us today and that there would be many in this room that would leave here moving out in the name of Jesus. And we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in it. Jesus mighty name and everybody said amen you may be seated I know you're saying wow it's 1204 and he's just getting started that's okay buckle your seatbelts we'll we'll move quick at the start of a new year it makes us all think about new we think about different we think about changes and if we could summarize our approach to a new year then it could be captured by the word movement uh, we desire and we determine to make a move if you made a New Year's resolution, you desired and determined to make a move. Now, movement is defined as a series of organized activities working toward an objective. So we started out in this series by saying that we need to move on. And I challenged you to move on because you can't move to the next thing that God has for you if you're still hung up in a previous issue. Somebody help me preach this morning. 
And then the last time that we were able to have church on a Sunday, two weeks ago, by the way, last week, we paid to scrape the parking lot and treat it, but that just didn't cut it. Anyway, so two weeks ago, I challenged you to move now. Move now. Don't let the expiration date of your desperation creep up on you. Let me remind you this morning that delay is deadly. Say amen, somebody. You need to move now. So today I want to wrap this up by challenging you to move out. See, this concept of movement or seeing change is predicated on this principle. If you want something different, then you must do something different. If you want something more, then you must do something more. If you want change, are you ready for this? Then you must change. Somebody help me preach this morning. In other words, you must move out. You see, the path, the pattern, the plan, the rut, if you will, the routine, maybe you call it a recipe that you have, that you've been following, that has got you to the point where you are today, can I tell you, it might have got you to where you are, but it won't take you to new heights in God. See, this is the idea that workout fanatics discover. Do I have any gym rats in the room this morning? I hope if you lift your hand, I hope you look like one. Maybe you just hang out to talk. I don't know. I used to go. I'm, I've not been going like I should. Pray for me. Amen. But this is what... This is what workout fanatics discover. Those of you that raised your hands, workout fanatics, you know that even the most brutal, the most exhausting workout routine will take you to a certain point. But if you don't change it up, if you don't switch it up, you'll plateau and stay right where you are. So those of you maybe that aren't workout fanatics, where's all my dieters? Can I, well, where's all my fat and happies, I guess? <laughs> All right, I like y'all. Dieters. Now, you, you can say what you want. I know a lot of y'all are dieters. And if you diet, here's one thing that you'll learn. When you want to lose weight and you make an adjustment or adjustments, it will take you to a specific point. Can I get a witness this morning? But then if you don't make additional adjustments, You'll plateau where you are and you'll stay right there. That's why I've never seen less than 208 pounds since probably middle school. Come on, somebody. Somebody help me preach. I mean, y'all don't know. I'm telling you, you don't know. I used to weigh 300. Yeah, I did. But anyway, you plateau. You never can go any further until you make additional adjustments. And so... I want you to realize this morning, it's the same thing that we know spiritually. Whatever uh, discipleship program that you may have followed religiously, that will get you to a certain place in the Lord. But then if you want to go deeper, you got to change it up. Is anybody with me this morning? you got to determine. We used to sing a song in the old church that said, you got to move. Anybody know that one? Oh, come on, somebody help me. You gotta move, you gotta move. When the Lord gets ready, you gotta move. Anybody know that? If you wanna get closer to God, sometimes you have to determine, I am going to make a move. And so I felt led of the Lord to take you this morning to this familiar passage of Scripture 
and see if it can help us today. Now, I know that this is a story that probably many of you learned in Sunday school when a teacher used flannel graphs. Anybody remember the flannel graphs in Sunday school? Let me see your hands. I see, I see a few. You know, I think, I've, I think I've learned that must have been a Baptist thing. I was raised Baptist, but most of the Pentecostal people don't raise their hand for a flannel graph. I did see some Church of God folk back here raising their hand. A flannel graph, if you didn't know what that was, it was like a flip chart, but it was made out of flannel. And then they had these little characters and different things that they would put on it. So when they were preaching this teaching, this story to you, they had the house where Jesus was. They had people stuck everywhere that was the crowd. And then they had the little, uh, the little emblem or whatever you, want to, whatever you call those things made out of flannel of the four men carrying the man on the mat. And they took it and they put it up on the roof of the house and they taught you the story. Some of you know this story. Some of you remember that. But whether or not you even know what a flannel graph is, I want you to stay with me this morning because I'm going to approach this story in a little bit different light than the way you've probably ever heard it taught because it's different than the way I've ever heard it taught. And the Lord spoke to me this week. I want you to notice first of all that the house was full. Say full. The version I read to you declares that not only was the house full, but that the crowd, like Darla talked about this morning, had spilled outside the door. That crowd was blocking the attempt of four men to get their sick friend to Jesus. That part we know. But I had a thought. Are we to assume that there were no other sick folks in the crowd? Are we to assume that there were no other sick folks outside the door that couldn't even get in the house? Should we conclude that every broken, every needy, every sick, every desperate person was inside the house and they were able to get to Jesus? I would submit to you this morning that that is highly unlikely. I think there were numerous folks that were outside the purview of Jesus. They were outside the scope of his sight. I took some young adults from this church to Asbury University when the revival was going on. We stood in line for hours and never got inside the house. There were people in line that had desperate needs from God, never got inside the house. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying we teach this story and we act like the one that had the need was the one that got in the house. I don't think that's the perspective we need to be looking at this morning. I believe there were all kinds of needs of people that were in the crowd outside the door still trying to get in. There were all kinds of needs of people. Why is it we assume that because they're on the church pew or they're in the house that they don't have a need in their life? All kinds of people had a need. They were outside of the purview of Jesus, maybe outside of the scope of his sight, outside of the physical reach of his hand. And none of those folks, to our knowledge, according to this book, none of them were healed that day. Stay with me. The reason a paralyzed man who could not get to Jesus by himself and the only reason that we even have this account in Scripture is because there were four men who determined they were going to move out. See, I don't know if you're getting me or not, but the roof, it was available to anyone. But only four went to the roof. Access through the roof was available to the people who brought their broken son. But there was only four that went to the roof. 
Access through the roof was available to the husband and the wife who needed a miracle. But there was only four that went to the roof. Only four men moved out. They took a different, out of the ordinary. Hmm. They took a different, out of the ordinary path. For some reason, those four had a whatever it takes kind of mentality. Only four thought to go where the others didn't go. Only four came to the conclusion that this is not where I'm used to going. This is not how I would normally approach it. This isn't the acceptable path to entry. Come on, you know those people. Those people that say, we got to do it this way because that's the way we've always done it. Those kind of people that say, God doesn't move in that. God only moves the way I remember. Those kind of people that want to draw a box and say, God, you can move as long as you do it in the confines of this box. Oh, I'm about to preach up in here. Several years back, there was a Christian college choir that I followed. I'm not going to call their name because they're wonderful people and I still love them. But they sung a song. I don't know where they got it. I don't even know. They might have written it. Their director wrote a lot of songs. I'm not sure where they got the song. But they wrote a song that said, Lord, do a new thing. Say new. Why is it that word makes us uncomfortable? Talk to me. Because it's new. Lord, do a new thing in an old-fashioned way. Mm, that's what I said. And it was, at first I thought it was a good song. But then I got to realize, and you know what that's saying? That's saying, God, you can move as long as you move in a way that I'm used to. God, you can move as long as it looks like what grandma and grandpa said it's supposed to look like. Oh, y'all ain't going to help me up in here this morning. God, you can move as long as the people you're moving in uphold to the, the same uh, dress code or the same uh, the other things that somebody else said that they had to uphold and adhere to. Can I tell you this morning, as long as it's modest, that's the key word. Tell your children, modest is hottest. Come on, somebody. Somebody help me. I thought it was funny this morning. I looked up here at the praise team. You had two ladies down here. They didn't talk to each other. You had two ladies down here in dresses to the ground. You had two ladies over here in pants and blazers. Some people would lose their mind over that. Do you all know what I'm talking about? I said as long as it's modest. We need to stop getting hung up on saying, God, you got to do it like this. God, if they come into the church, they've got to look like that. God, if you do something in their life, they got to. I had a man stand up one time and tell somebody uh, about tattoos and say that was the markings of the world all over them. What they didn't realize was every tattoo, it's Derek. What every tattoo that Derek's got was after he got saved. Every tattoo that he's got has got a Christian meaning to it. Let me tell you something this morning. The only scripture in this book that talks about ink on your body also talks about piercings in your ears or anywhere else you might have them. Today there's all kinds of options out there. But that's the only scripture 
that you've got. So if you're going to preach to somebody, they're unholy with tattoos, take your earrings out. Tell your wife to take her earrings out. But better yet, why don't you let them do them and God do them and you do you and let God do you? Those kinds of people that said, you can only move in this box, but not those four men. They were the four that said they were going to go where others wouldn't go. They would take a different route than they normally took. See, they said, this isn't normal. Isn't it weird how we define normal? This isn't normal, but it's necessary. Woo. <laughs> This don't look normal, but it's necessary to get me to where I need to be. In fact, they came to the same conclusion that I've come to in my walk with God and in my ministry. I'm getting to the place I'll turn 48 years old this year. That's not far from 50. The young people are already telling me I'm old. Marissa reminds me in the office all the time. She graduated high school, or I mean, I graduated high school the year she was born. So I'm getting to the point in my life, Brother Lonnie, where I don't care what you define normal is. I'm willing to tear normal up if that means getting people to Jesus. My Lord, let me preach right there just a minute. I know, I know you're, you're comfortable with your normal approach. And some of y'all are confident in your predictable praise mm. I know the pattern of your approach is familiar and I know it's maybe it's even accomplished some things for you in your past however I'm going to tell you this morning the body of Christ as a whole needs to make a move we need to make a move see this year if you're going to have to get a whatever it takes mentality you are going to have to go where others aren't willing to go. You are going to have to go when others aren't willing to go. Are you with me this morning? You're going to have to do things that others aren't willing to do. Normal is nice, but normal may not always get you near him. See, normally, what do you mean, preacher? Here's what I mean. Normally, you might listen to this awesome worship team. Are we not blessed with the talent and the anointing that they have? Normally you might just kind of listen to them. Oh, that's nice. But if you're going to get to Jesus this year, you're going to have to sing and worship for yourself. I told you the Holy Ghost, I love the Holy Ghost. Darla didn't know what I was going to preach on. What'd she tell you? You got to get to him for yourself. See, normally you might take notes on Sunday morning and then go home and store it up somewhere and forget about it. But if you're going to get to him this year, you're going to have to go home and dig deeper into the word. Some of the things I say you might take as offense sometimes. But let me tell you, that's because in the church world today, most people don't know the difference between conviction and offense. They don't realize, listen, I can't help it if it doesn't tickle your fancy. If the word of God says it's sin, it's sin. You might have to bite on it. You might have to chew on it. You might have to go home and 
and dig through the Word and say, my God, I need to change some things in my life. But when you do, you'll tear the roof off of what's normal and you'll find yourself lowered down right at the feet of Jesus. You might normally pray during service, but if you're going to get to Him this year, you're going to have to, y'all ain't going to help me preach on this. You're going to have to go home and rebuild those altars there that have been broken down. You're going to have to build them back and begin to get in your prayer closet and pray and seek God for yourselves. Can I tell you, that was so normal for my kids when they were little. I'll never forget, Abby brought a little Baptist girl home to spend the night. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, the Lord got to dealing with me. I always tried to be real respectful of my children and my wife if the Lord was dealing with me. But how many knows every once in a while, where's, where's my folks at that can testify? Every once in a while, the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you, and you just got to let him do whatever he's doing. Some of y'all don't know because he ain't never got a hold of you. But about 3 o'clock in the morning, I got up, and I was burdened, and I was praying about something. And I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost fell in my living room. And Abby's little Baptist friend girl woke up. What was you, Abby? About 10? They were about 10 years old, and she woke up. She went, Abby, what is going on? And Abby, being so, you want to talk about normal? She was so used to it, she rolled over and she said, Oh, that's just my dad praying, go back to sleep. I want to tell you something. If you're going to get a hold of God this year, you can't just say, your little, uh, now I lay me down to sleep. You can't just get in church and pray a little simple prayer. If you want to get a hold of God this year, rebuild the altars in your homes that are broken down. Get in your prayer closet and seek the face of God. See, you might come late and leave early. But this year, if you're going to get to him, you're going to have to linger a little longer. To get what others don't have, you're going to have to do what others won't do. We have to go out of our way and we have to do new. Why would we conclude anything otherwise? Does anybody know what the definition of insanity is? Doing the same thing in the same way and expecting different results. I got two questions for you this morning. Number one, what are you going to do this year that will take you to new? And number two, who are you going to take with you? See, although you might have to move by yourself, you don't have to move just for yourself. Other than an, I don't know if you've ever thought about this in this story, but other than an honorable mention in the Bible, these four men who carried their friend to Jesus didn't receive anything except a repair bill for the roof. That's all they got. An honorable mention, and now fix my roof back. Jesus was there, but the house had to be fixed back. They needed a roof. Listen to me this morning. What their willingness, their willingness to move shows us is that the power of all of us is greater than the power of one of us. By yourself, you may be able to get what you need this year, but together we can get a lot of folks healed that would have never otherwise been healed. We can get a lot of folks delivered that would have never otherwise been delivered. Together we can get a lot of folks saved that may not have ever otherwise been saved. That's the power 
of us. Divine collaboration. This thing was meant to be a collaboration, not a competition. We're not in competition with any other church. Did you hear me? I said we're not in competition with any other church. We'll let them do them and we'll do us, but we're on a mission. Just because if some of them are going to sit idly by doesn't mean we're going to sit idly by. We're on a mission. we got to work while it's day because night is coming when no man can work. I've got lost people that need to be saved. You've got lost people that need to be saved. I said we're on a mission to build the kingdom of God. And I'm not saying that you can't make a difference by yourself. I'm almost finished. And... In fact, if you need to move by yourself, move. Listen, I've determined to sing. I have decided, anybody know that one? To follow Jesus. I have decided, I got that one high. To follow Jesus. I have decided, I'm going to speed it up. To follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Here's a better part. Though none go with me, whew, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Sing it. No turning back. No turning back. Listen, I'm determined today. I'm just standing up here to tell you, it doesn't matter if you go with me or not. Here's what the Lord stirred in me this week. I'm just standing on the truth that these four men, what these four men teach us, and what the Word of God also tells us, that two are better than one. Not because they have no return for their efforts, but the Word said two are better than one because there is more return for their efforts. See, it isn't that you have no return. It's just the return is better with two. It isn't that you getting to Jesus by yourself isn't in important. It's just that if we can get to Jesus together, more people will be set free. More people will be healed. More people will be delivered and more people will be saved and more people will find hope. Find your four. See, not everybody around you is willing to move out. Find your four. Not everybody on your row is willing to praise more passionately. Some of y'all know that, don't you? Find your four or pick another row. <laughs> Amen. Not everybody in your house is willing to pray more. Find your four. See, I'm looking for the four. I am looking for the four. That's what the Lord stirred in me this week. Who are the four in my life who will push in when others are pulling back? Who are the four in my life who will have the whatever-it-takes approach to get to him when others are just overtaken with apathy and they're sitting back in defeat? Who are the four in your life who will push past their past, the obstacles and the resistance to get to him? Who are the four who will look at a seemingly impossible situation but they won't look at it in defeat? They'll think outside the box, and they'll be determined, we will not go down in defeat. We will get to Jesus. 
And hear me well when I say this. I'm almost finished. I'm not just looking for us four and no more. Somebody help me. That's not the mentality I'm preaching this morning. But let me tell you something. If I could just get four to make up their minds that the ordinary will never accomplish the extraordinary. If I could just get four to make up their minds that the ordinary would never accomplish the extraordinary, then we would see the broken restored. If I could find just four that are willing to take a different approach when we gather, then we will continue to see lost people pour in this altar and get saved like we did last year. If I could find four that will determine that unlikely does not mean impossible. Somebody help me preach this morning. Then we would see mountains moved and lives changed. See, not everybody, folks, will go to the roof and tear it off to get to Jesus. Some people are satisfied to just stand on the edge and watch everybody else. Some people are satisfied to stand on the edge and say, yeah, I've been blessed like that before. It's been a while. Some people stand on the edge and say, like when I'm worshiping and y'all looking at me like you got, I got two heads, four eyes, all that stuff. Some people are satisfied to just stand and look and say, I don't ever want to act like him. Can I tell you what? You don't have to act like me. But I can assure you, if you'll get to Jesus, it'll change your worship. Some people are even satisfied to stand on the edge and just look at their crisis. Some people are fine with coming to church week after week never experiencing real change in their lives. Some people have done it for decades. But where's my four? I want you to notice what the crowd says. If you'll put this back on the screen, Renata, the last verse of that first passage. They were all, say all, they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Are you with me? We've never see. They had been where he was. Hello. They'd been in the house with him. Hello. Are you with me this morning? They had heard they were part of the multitudes that Jesus had preached to. But they said, we've never seen anything like this before. I declare to you this morning that when you get your four and when you move out of normal, you're going to hear that statement made on a daily basis. Somebody's going to say, why are you going to Freedom Point? I'll tell you, I've been down there. I've never seen anything like that before. People said, why are you going to Asbury? Others said, because I've never seen anything like that before. Oh, I'd love to see revival hit this city where it's not just Freedom Point. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I'd like to see the Holy Ghost hit churches that don't even know what the Holy Ghost is. I'd like to see people declaring, we've never seen anything like this before. But in order to do that, we got to move. And if they'll come to the music this morning, if, you'll, if you're going to make a move... If you're going to make a move, this may sound cliche-ish, but I'm going to back it up with the Word of God. If you're going to make a move, 
you're going to have to learn to not follow the crowd. Because there'll be people that just walk away for no reason. There'll be people that just turn around and go back. There'll be people that say, oh, all of that isn't necessary. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to learn not to follow the crowd. You need to learn how to follow the cloud. Some of y'all don't even know what that means. Exodus chapter 40, beginning with verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle... The people of Israel, you know what Israel represents? The church. When the cloud lifted over the tabernacle, the church would set out on their journey. They would move, hello, following it. But if the cloud did not rise, they remained where they were until it lifted. The cloud of the Lord hovered. This is my prayer. I said, God, when I read this this week again, I've read it many times, and when I read it this week again, I said, God, let that describe this church. Within the cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day and at night fire glowed inside the cloud so that the whole family of Israel so that the whole faith family could see it. And guess what? This continued throughout what? Through what? Throughout all of their journeys, when you stop following the crowd, you find your four and you learn how to follow the cloud. The presence of God will, woo! The presence of God will go with you. Now, somebody said, what'd you just do? I shouted and spoke in tongues. If you don't know what that is, give me an opportunity to talk to you about it. But I promise you, the reason I did, listen, I was one of some of you one day, years ago. I said, that's not necessary. I said, those people are foolish. Now, I don't plan this when I preach. I do try really hard to not lose my composure because I want to minister to people. But let me minister to you just a second. I don't even know why I'm doing this. Other than we had three people filled with the Holy Ghost two Sundays ago when we were able to have church. I used to say it's not necessary. It's not, I don't know about all that, all that kind of good stuff. But I'm telling you, you want to go deeper in God? You want to have a new level in your relationship with Him? You pray and seek for him to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Somebody said, what is that? On the day of Pentecost, they were all gathered together in the upper room. The Bible said, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven 
didn't say it was a wind. It said it sounded like a wind. I've been in some services that sounded like a wind. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And cloven tongues like as of fire set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. I want to tell you there was a day and a, and a time in my life where I finally said, God, if this is really real, if this is really you, and you really want me to have it, then give it to me. And I'm telling you, if the pew hadn't been bolted to the floor in that Pentecostal church, it would have been carried all over that room with me. God filled me with the Holy Ghost and my life, my walk with Him has never been the same. Here's the only other thing I'll say to some of you. Don't judge what you don't understand. If you don't understand it, you just pray and ask God for understanding. He'll give it to you. If you'll stand with me all over the room this morning. For those of you that are in this room today, and you don't know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you're ready, should you go out into eternity today, or should the rapture take place? I've been teaching on Wednesday nights in my class about the rapture. Using Dr. David Jeremiah's teaching on the great disappearance. You know what? We're all the time talking about being ready in case we go out into eternity when we leave this building today. But very seldom do we ever talk about being ready should the Lord decide to come back in the next minute. Could you imagine being standing in this building, standing there knowing you're not ready, and all of a sudden, just like that, there's only six or eight or ten people left in this room that were not ready to meet Jesus. Or, who knows, it could be far more than that. Somebody said, oh, I'll pray when that happens, when that comes. Listen, if you're not ready, you might get saved in the tribulation, but you ain't going in the rapture. The Bible said in the twinkling of an eye, blink your eye. Come on, blink your eye. That's how quick you could blink your eyes and this room could have just a few people left standing in it. So there's no need for you to put it off. There's no need for you to think that you need to clean yourself up. Somebody help me preach this morning. There's no need for you to think you got some habits you need to give up, some addictions you need to overcome. There's no need for you to say, I'm going to wait. What you need to do, this book says that today, shout today, Today is the day of salvation. Don't put him off. If you're not ready when we open this altar, find a place to pray. There'll be somebody that will pray with you. But you may be here today, and you desire to be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. The Bible said what I just read to you. They were all filled. If you're seeking, today's your day. I said today's your day. Find your place in this altar. Or do you have something in your life that you need the Lord to move on? Maybe you've got a situation that you need Him to move in. More than likely, God's just waiting on you to move. God's waiting on you to get desperate enough to make the first move. Why do you put it off? If you'll move now, He'll move now. Woo, I feel that. If you'll move now, He'll move now. But here's the hard part, folks. You've got to swallow that pride and be willing to step out
and say, God, I need you. Can I tell you, there's no shame in that game. It takes a big man. I said it takes a real man. Some men helped me preach in the house this morning. It takes a real man to step out and say, God, I need you in my life. It takes a real woman to step out and swallow that pride and say, God, I need you. Don't delay. Move now. And last but certainly not least, folks, you've got to forget about the majority. You've got to forget about the crowd. And I know I thank the Lord we've got a good crowd here today. But you've got to forget about the crowd. Listen, do you really think that those four men or the one on the mat was overly concerned about what everybody else in the room was going to think? No. If they did, they'd have never tore the roof off. You want to talk about drawing attention? Some of y'all would run if this one started getting a hole in it and people started getting lowered down through it. No, they didn't care what everybody in the room thought. All they cared about was, I've got to get to Jesus. Somebody get me to Jesus. Because when I get to Jesus, whoo, when I get to Jesus, then he'll do what I can't. So you've got to determine today that you're willing to make a move. So I want to ask you right now, as they sing, Will you move out? Find a place in this altar to pray this morning. That's what I'm going to do as they sing. George wants to share something with you. I don't have a microphone to give him. Somebody give me one. These up here are dead. Go quickly, George. Okay. The, the good thing about it, Sean said you didn't have to act like him. But praise God, you can. You can act like him. Praise God. But here's what the Lord's saying. Years ago, the Lord told me. Now listen. When, when I say this, normally you would say, who is that for? But if you can hear my voice, this is what the Lord is saying to you. It's hard for you to let me out of the box uh -huh. if you don't know that you've got me in a box. Uh-huh, that's good, that's good. Come on right now as they sing, will you move out this morning?